The Old Testament reading is from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they, had, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29-31. through 31. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those whose the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. The Gospel reading is recorded in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Do we have any children that would like to come forward with me? It's not dangerous. I got a couple there. Oh, a couple more. Do you recognize those two guys up there? You do? Okay. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Who'd like to hold this for me? Anybody? No? 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 No. Okay. Well, amen. I'm going to put this back where I found it. Maybe we'll use it next week. All right. Well, I have a couple questions for you this morning. I'm going to sit down right here. And here's my first question. Who are people in your life who protect you from harm? Your mom and dad, your parents, right? Do they protect you from 
harm. Sometimes harm comes to us anyway, but they probably more than anybody else protect you and watch out for you very carefully. Anybody else? Jesus, okay, yeah. When was the last time you saw him? You haven't seen him yet, have you? No. Someday you will, though, won't you? But even though you can't see him, he's with you all the time and he's protecting you. Okay, anybody else? Firemen? Do firemen protect you? Police? All kinds of different people. Your teachers at school? You have a lot of people in your life who kind of watch out for you and who protect you. Uh, Doctors, nurses, all kinds of wonderful people who take good care of you and who keep an eye on you. Uh, Let's see. Do you suppose anybody protects you from your spiritual life instead of your physical life? Who are some of the people that make sure that you learn about Jesus? Your parents? Do they teach you about Jesus? Your teachers? Do some of your teachers teach you? Do you have Sunday school teachers? No? Yeah? Do they teach you about Jesus? Okay. Yeah, you know, Jesus protects us from someone who could harm us really badly. Do you know who that is? Who could harm you really badly, spiritually? The devil, maybe? Yeah. And so Jesus protects you from spiritual harm and danger. And that's really important to remember that. He, uh, he loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. Of course you know that, don't you? Because Pastor Blaine probably told you that many, many, many times. But while you're going through your school day or while you're playing uh, with your friends, Jesus watches over you too. And sometimes things happen, don't they? Sometimes you hurt yourself. You don't do it on purpose, but you fall off your bike or roller skates or something like that. And then you go back to your parents and they take care of you and they protect you. But Jesus is always watching over you. He protects you. There's nothing that the devil can do to take you away from Jesus. Nothing. And it's wonderful to know that we have a protector like Jesus. So today I'm going to give you a picture of Jesus. This is a photograph. Do you suppose this is a photograph of Jesus? Do you think this is an actual photograph of Jesus? Did they have cameras when Jesus was on the earth? No. This is just a picture. But this is a picture of Jesus. It was a little boy, and he was in the temple at Jerusalem, and he was teaching older teachers. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And so this is a picture that you can color, and there's a little bit of stuff that you can read on the back. So remember this. You have lots of people in your life who protect you physically, but don't ever forget about the one who protects you spiritually, and that's Jesus. So thanks for coming up, and I guess you go off to Sunday school or wherever you go.
So who protects you? Who protects you? I suppose, well, maybe I should ask it this way. How many of you have a picture of Christ hanging in your house somewhere? All right. My hunch is that some of you have this picture. It's called The Head of Christ by Werner Salman. It's painted in 1940. Classic. It's a classic. How many of you have this one in your house? Quite a few. Okay. Let's try this one. This is a picture titled Jesus on the Cross, painted by Francisco Zerberin in 1627. Have you seen that one, even if you maybe don't have it in your own house? Okay. And then, this is the classic Jesus the Good Shepherd, painted by Bernard Plockhorst in the late 1800s. Anybody have that one in their house? Okay, good. Oh, in books. Okay, pictures in books, too. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. No, not really. <laughs> Why do you suppose people, people like yourselves, my wife and me, too, why do you suppose we put pictures like that on the wall in our homes? Maybe it's to remind you and me about the thing that's the most important in our lives. Would that be a reason? Or to remind us about what Jesus has done for us, the picture of Jesus on the cross and what he had to endure so that you and I could have our sins completely forgiven and that we could be reassured that, yes, in fact, we are his children Or maybe it reminds you of God's presence in your own home and his work on your behalf to protect you, if in no other way than spiritually, so that you don't lose your faith. Today I want to draw our attention to one of the pictures, the picture of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. It's a wonderful image And I'm sure Pastor Blaine has spoken to you of that image many times. But I'd like to take you back to words in Holy Scripture recorded by St. John. Jesus said this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And then these reassuring words No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And then just as if we didn't catch what was said previously, our Lord says it again, that no one can snatch them out of my hand. Two times we are reassured by Jesus in this verse That no one, not Satan, not the world, 
And as the Apostle Paul teaches us, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. It's a huge list that boils down to this. Nothing in all of God's creation can separate you and me as God's children from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that leads me to where we're going with this message today. I want to speak to you a bit today about God's promise of His protection. And that's why I asked the children questions about who really looks after you, who really protects you. And they generated some response there. You know, the promise of God rests securely in the hands and the heart of the Good Shepherd, Jesus. Jesus is our protector. Jesus is our shepherd. But perhaps the question we want to answer this morning is, what does God protect you and me from in the first place? What does he protect us from? I'm guessing that each and every one of you here this morning has had at least one experience in your life when you felt completely unprotected. Completely unprotected. Vulnerable. Perhaps even at risk of some kind of injury. Maybe even death itself. Haven't there been times in your life when you have felt completely alone? Completely on your own? To fend for yourself, by yourself? Maybe you were vulnerable to a serious injury or a serious health concern. At those times, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Where do you go for help? You might even ask yourself, well, where was the Lord and His promised protection? Where was it? I didn't seem to experience that. Bad things do happen to good people, don't they? You know good people to whom bad things have happened. We all probably do. And does it make you ask the question, well, then what does God protect me from? Most importantly, and this is really at the heart of the issue, we might say the crux of the matter. You know what the, the word crux means? The cross. The cross of the matter. God promises to protect you and me from spiritual harm and danger. He promises to protect you and me from the loss of our souls to the wiles and the kingdom of Satan. He promises to protect you and me from an eternity spent in constant, relentless punishment for our own sins and disobedience. He promises to protect you and me from a life of meaninglessness and loveless, self-centered pursuits that keep us crying out for more meaning and purpose in life. Biblical history reminds and reassures you and me 
that our God defends his people from all danger. He guards and protects his people from all evil, as Martin Luther reminds us in his explanation of the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Remember, for instance, the biblical narrative of Joseph, the son of Jacob. Remember Joseph? His brothers sold him as a slave, right? To a traveling band of Ishmaelites. And things look pretty bleak for young Joseph as these Ishmaelites hauled him away. He ended up in Egypt, and that's where his life began to unfold. In time, you know what happened to him, don't you? He became second in power only to the Pharaoh, who was the head one in power. Joseph was only accountable essentially to one person, and that was the Pharaoh. And you know how the narrative, the biblical narrative goes. In time, Joseph had an opportunity to see his brothers. Do you remember his words of reassurance to them when he finally had an opportunity to see them? It was right after their father Jacob died. And Joseph said this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to now accomplish what is being done, which is the saving of many lives. You know that four centuries later, the Lord God delivered Jacob's descendants safely out of their bondage in Egypt across the Red Sea, as those of us who were in Bible study this morning we're talking about, through the wilderness into the land in which God had at one time promised to give them as their own. You know, God's ways among his people aren't always clear crystal clear to you and to me. His protection, his provision, his preservation aren't always evident to us, even though they are present. Have you ever noticed that it's often only as you look back on something, you can see more clearly how the hand of the Lord was at work in you and your circumstance at that given point in time? His hand of provision, his hand of protection. You know that by God's grace alone, you and I are sheep of the Good Shepherd Jesus. And because he loves us so much, he leads us, he protects us, he watches over us, he blesses us every moment of every day of our lives. He rescues us when we wander off like sheep sometimes do. You remember the one that wandered off into the briars and the thickets and had that one been left alone would probably have been destroyed. Now, you and I have briars and thickets into which we wander off as well like that one lost sheep. And they're all usually self-serving, self-satisfying, self-centered undertakings. We become like that lamb 
who thinks it can wander off. But you and I can always trust Jesus, the Good Shepherd, to lead us, to watch over us, to protect our souls, even when God calls us into the valley of the shadow of death. And there and there especially, you and I need fear no evil. For especially at that point, the Good Shepherd is with us because he's promised to be there. There Satan can do us no spiritual harm because as the scriptures are clear, God is our refuge. God is our ever-present help in, in troubles. God is our strength. And in trusting faith, you and I can be confident of his guiding and protecting presence. Listen to what the psalmist reminds us of. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. You ever been in trouble? No. And yet, in even trouble, in trouble, the Lord is there, present with us, to watch over us and rescue us as needed. He says, we will call upon him, and he promises to answer. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Those are words that God spoke to King David. They are words that God speaks to you and to me today because we have them recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And these are beautiful words. These are powerful words. These are reassuring words. There's a story that was told about a Christian man who was being persecuted by his enemies. And as he ran away from them, the man took refuge in a malt house. And in the malt house, there was an empty kiln. And he went into that kiln and laid there silently. And as he was laying there, he saw a spider begin to build a web web across the opening that he had used to climb into the kiln. The spider set its lines, set its web. And it wasn't long before those who were chasing after this man came into the same malt house searching for him. And he was frightened. And he heard their angry, cruel words about him. But he did his best to keep still. And when they got close to the kiln where he was hiding, he overheard one of them say to the other, he can't be in there. He can't be in there because that spider web would be broken if he was. And so the two men left. They left, they dropped their search, they didn't check the kiln, and they went away. And the man escaped safely. 
You know, in Christ Jesus, God manifests his greatest act of protecting his children. That means you. His greatest act in protecting you. By Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins, God has protected you and me and people of all ages from an eternity of torment, an eternity of sorrow. And by our Lord's resurrection from the grave, God reassures you and me of our own resurrection from the grave one day. That day is the day of Christ's return in glory. And in the forgiveness of your sins and mine, the Lord has covered each and every one of us with a protective robe, the robe of Christ's righteousness. Friends in Christ, may God graciously grant you to know with absolutely confident faith that the Lord of hosts is with you. Always. The God of Jacob is always your strength and your protection. Always. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.